Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to This is the Jet Life with Dan Burnham, your guide to the New York Jets sports and much more. And now, your host, Dan Burnham. What is up, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of This is the Jet Life. And what a fun Jet life it is this week for the first time in so freaking long. The Jets snapped a five game losing streak to beat the seven and five Houston Texans, who are now seven and six. The Jets beat them 30 to six with 30 second half points, led by Zach Wilson, who took a little time off and came back better than ever. This was the best game he's ever played in the NFL throwing, running, moving in the pocket, getting it downfield, taking checkdowns, smart, composed, so much good stuff in this game. And the Jets obliterated the Texans, honestly, who's a good team by NFL standards. They beat them in all three phases, played a sound game at Jet Life Stadium, and I was dancing, I was celebrating, I was cheering. It was a ton of fun. It's something that, you know, I'm not so used to this year. Kind of was starting to forget what it felt like to win a game like this. And uh, I can't wait to talk about it, honestly. I got a lot to get to in this one. We're going to break down some of the coaching that we saw, some Zach Wilson takes, Talk about the offense, defense, special teams. I am going to include the Dolphins preview in this podcast. Got a special what's on tap. No father time, unfortunately. My dad is off uh, doing some work stuff. He was unable to get me something today. He apologizes, of course. He had a really good one last week. He says that he wasn't able to use because we didn't do a podcast, but we'll get him next week, I'm sure. It's going to be better than ever. Hopefully the Jets come out of a, a Dolphins game inspired as they are this week coming out of the Texans game. So a lot to get to in this one. Before I start, I want to remind you to rate, review, subscribe to this podcast anywhere podcasts are found. It is part of the Fans First Sports Network. You can also follow me on Twitter at Jets underscore Dan. All right, so let's get into this because what a fun game it was. This thing started out 0-0 zero to zero going into the half. And how many times have we watched a Jets game this year where it was just like a stalemate? Looking at the Chargers, looking at the Raiders games, even the, the Giants game. Like a stalemate between the two teams. And it's just a matter of time before the Jets' defense wears out. The other team puts up some points, and it's going to be too much for the Jets to match because they don't really score points on offense, right? That wasn't the case in the second half of this game for the Jets. Zach Wilson and the Jets came out inspired, ripping the ball down the field. It was their best passing performance of the entire season. They didn't make a bunch of turnover-worthy plays. One fumble on a Zach Wilson run, that was it. They only ran for 79 yards, but they threw 301 passing yards. The receivers were all over the place. The Jets put up 21 points 
and then essentially got to a point in the game where the Texans continued to go for the ball in their own territory on fourth down, wouldn't convert, the Jets would kick a field goal, got to 24, got to 27, got to 30, picking up that 30-burger, which feels oh so good against this Texans team. And there's a lot to like about what we saw from them. Zach Wilson specifically because I think that as far as everyone's concerned, Zach Wilson is not the future for the Jets, right? He's not going to be the guy that we're going to be watching for the next 10 years like we'd hoped when he drafted him. But I think the kind of idea that Zach Wilson doesn't belong in this league or should never play for the Jets has kind of been disproven at this point because Zach Wilson is a worthy backup quarterback. What I mean by that is he plays inconsistent but has the ability to play well enough to win games. If you're really, really good all the time, you're going to be a starter for a long time. If you suck every single week, you're going to get kicked out of the league. But if you have the ability to flash and have a couple good games here and there, you're going to stick around. We see that stuff from guys like a Nick Mullins or a Josh Dobbs or a Gardner Minshew, a Taylor Heineke, a Tommy DeVito. There's tons of guys like that that have the ability to scrap out a game, play really well here and there. But they also have the ability for major, major duds where you're just like, yikes, what the heck did I just watch? And those are some of the better backups in the league. The guys that you want to have on your team when someone like Aaron Rodgers goes down. No, it's not a tried-and-true veteran that's going to come in there and win 11, 12 games, but it is a guy that can scrap out a win. You watch Tim Boyle, what we saw from Trevor Simeon, what we've seen over the years from Brett Rippon. Those guys don't really give you that. They don't really have that ability to pop. We saw it right here from Zach Wilson. This was the poppiest of pops from him. His performance, thrown 75% completion percentage, is crazy high for him. 27 for 36. In the pouring rain, mind you. He threw two touchdown passes. He ran for 12 yards. He had that one bad fumble on a run play where he probably should have just slid. Don't try to play hero ball and just dive forward. Slide, lose two yards. It's all good. Only got sacked four times in this game. But most importantly, Zach Wilson looked comfortable for the first time. He was throwing the ball outside the numbers to Garrett Wilson. He was placing the ball so nicely to the tight ends. And when he had to, he was checking the ball down to Brees Hall. And Brees Hall, obviously, with the ball in his hands in open space, can do a ton. The Jets opened up a little bit of creativity in the offense. Randall Cobb scored a touchdown. Xavier Gibson getting some handoffs. Garrett Wilson got a handoff. It was just the perfect storm of good offense for the Jets for the first time in so long. And we're doing it behind an offensive line with, again, new people. Hanson, Glazers playing. We got Billy Turner coming into the game for a spell. Max Mitchell's back out there. It was just all over the place, as the offensive line has been all year. But the Jets made it work. Huge shout-out to Zach Wilson. Do I expect Zach Wilson to do that every single week for the remainder of the season? No, absolutely not. But do I expect him to do it one or two more times, maybe when we don't expect it? Yeah, absolutely. He's going to be up. He's going to be down. we got to live with it, take the punches, roll with the good ones. This was a good one. When you look at the coaching in this one, I gave a little bit of a shout-out to Nathaniel Hackett there, who definitely did a little bit more creative play calling in this one. I like him up in the booth rather than down on the field. I think he's more comfortable and can see the game better from up there. I think he was having a little bit more creativity and finally trusting Zach Wilson a little bit more within this offense in this game. But I think one of the biggest reasons behind all that is that Demeco Ryans was literally the understudy of Robert Sala for so long. It was his position coach. It was the coach that was with him in San Francisco when Robert Sala was the defensive coordinator and Demeco Ryans was his assistant. Demeco Ryans literally runs a version of Robert Sala's defense for the Texans. So if anybody knows how to beat that defense and get Zach Wilson open field, open receivers, it's going to be Robert Sala. 
This is a team that he practices against basically every single week. You're basically playing the Jets' defense. It's something that would make Zach Wilson comfortable. We watch Zach Wilson play against a team like the Patriots, flustered every single time. He doesn't know what they're doing. You watch him play the Texans, comfortable. It's because it's the Jets' defense, essentially. So that's a big part of this whole thing and part of the reason that we saw Zach Wilson shine like this and probably shouldn't expect it every single week. But what a great job coaching from the entire team top to bottom. And again, for basically the 13th game this year, incredible good job by Jeff Albrecht and the defensive staff for coming out here with an awesome game plan and leaving another quarterback absolutely speechless. They actually got C.J. Stroud out of this game, knocking him over too many times, left with a concussion in the fourth quarter late in the game after a really, really slow and tough start. The defense held the Texans to basically nothing offensively. 54 passing yards, sacking C.J. Stroud five times. The Jets didn't force the turnovers that I'd love to see that would have boosted the score up a little bit more. But you want to talk about embarrassing quarterbacks? C.J. Stroud has had a really, really good season, a possible MVP candidate, one of those guys taking the league by storm in his rookie year. He goes 10 for 23 for 91 yards, sacked four times, net 54 passing yards. That is horrible. Davis Mills comes in. He threw 20% completion percentage for four yards and got sacked. They couldn't do a damn thing against the Jets. They got that one touchdown, Devin Singletary rush, missed the extra point. I get it. They're playing without Tank Dell. They're playing without Nico Collins. It's a little bit more difficult to pass the ball. But 10 for 23, for 54 net passing yards, nah, they got uh, they got beat up in this one. Great job to the Jets coaching staff. Moving forward, we're going to expect to see Zach Wilson for the rest of the season. I think that uh, we tried Tim Boyle. We tried Trevor Simeon. It's pretty clear and obvious now that Zach Wilson gives the Jets a much better chance to win. He's much more fun to watch. He's a much better player than those guys. So we're going to see a lot more Zach Wilson as long as he stays healthy. And whether or not he's on the Jets next year, it's it's going to be the final year of his rookie contract, so it is guaranteed they can get rid of him or trade him, eat the money if they really feel like getting him off of the roster for any sort of emotional or locker room purposes. Or if they feel like they can upgrade the backup quarterback position, maybe draft a guy as well. But in reality, Zach Wilson is trying to play for a backup quarterback opportunity to see what kind of contract he gets with another team to move on. Or if he can win that job with the New York Jets, win over some of this fan base and get us like, all right, let's not completely give up on the kid. There is the possibility, people are talking about, of Aaron Rodgers returning to the Jets this season. It seems very, very unlikely to me. Watching him move is a little bit different than the things I'm hearing. I watched him take some dropbacks and stuff, and yes, he's doing it, but like with a squishy shoe and really, really slow, very delicate and dainty on those on those legs. I don't see him coming back this year. I don't think it's worth it, but the rumor is if the Jets were to beat the Dolphins this week and look at the commanders coming up, that would be a week where potentially Aaron Rodgers could suit up and try to get the Jets into the playoffs. We'll see. That sounds very, very unlikely. And frankly, beating the Dolphins in Miami this weekend also feels pretty unlikely, so it may not even be something we have to worry about. The Jets could be 5-9 and nine coming out of the weekend, eliminated from playoff contention, and officially put Aaron Rodgers on the shelf. That'll be a dark and depressing time, of course, as it is every year when the Jets do get eliminated. But we'll get through it. We'll look towards next year. We'll try to have some good evaluation games coming up for the remainder of this season. All right, so that's the quarterback situation, the coaching situation. Great job to all those players in this Texans win. Now let's talk about the offense that also was very, very impressive. 
Talking about the offensive line, it's great to have Mekhi Becton back out there at left tackle. But again, the Jets are without more offensive linemen. Wes Schweitzer, who had just come back and was our backup right guard, was out for this game. Our fifth-string offensive tackle, Carter Warren, was unable to play in this game. So you're plugging in Hanson, who's never played with the Jets before. You're plugging in Max Mitchell back into the roster. At points in this game, Max Mitchell's off the field. Billy Turner's in. At points, Joe Tippman is off. Chris Glazer is in. It was a revolving door yet again of players that you don't feel super confident about, especially up against that big Houston Texans pass rush with Zach Wilson there. But the Jets got it done. I haven't had a a massive opportunity to watch Hanson play right guard, but it felt like compared to watching Glazer there and watching Xavier Newman there that maybe we're on to something a little bit better than we'd seen from those guys. I'd like to see Hanson again against Miami and see if maybe he can be something for this offensive line that's a little bit more positive than we've seen. He was plucked up from the Packers practice squad, so we'll see what kind of experience and, and skill he's got. But at least in this game, not so horrible. When you talk about the running game, obviously Dalvin Cook is leaving a lot to be desired in his running game. Seven carries for 13 yards. Brees Hall, running the ball has not been super efficient. It was 10 carries for 40 yards in this game. He finally broke a quote-unquote big one, a 15-yarder. But he hasn't had that big monster like 50, 60-yard touchdown run in a long, long time. And a lot of his stats and yards per carry and the Jets' offensive success has been built around that. He continues to run primarily up the two-hole, continues to kind of get tackled pretty easily. He's not really a power back that should be going up there, maybe a little bit more scat back. We're seeing him way more effective in open space, and they're getting him in open space by passing it to him. He had eight catches in this game for 86 yards and a touchdown. His big play in this game, or big plays, were coming in that passing game. Nice 27-yarder, the touchdown. When you look at Brees Hall as a complete back, he has over 600 rushing yards this season. He's got over 400 receiving yards this season as well. He's officially over 1,000 scrimmage yards for the season. It's just showing how versatile and important he is for this offense, even when the running game's not working the way you'd like it to because the offensive line, whatever it may be, the receiving game is still definitely there. So great game from him. Xavier Gibson had an opportunity to run the ball once in this game. He got a touchdown on that one. Zach Wilson ran a couple times, I said. Three carries for 12 yards. Did have a fumble in this game. Didn't love to see that. Izzy Abinaconda came in very, very late as the Jets were just playing garbage time, mop-up duty. Up 30-6 to six in this one. And it wasn't uh, anything special to write home about for Abinaconda, but you know, you're getting carries at the end of the game when every single person knows you're just going to be running up the middle to do a low-risk play. Not a great opportunity for a guy to show off his skill set. Jets finished 26 carries for 79 yards. Not super great. And you'd think in a 30-6 to win, you'd be a little bit more effective in that order. But the receiving game was just so freaking good. Take out the four sacks that Zach Wilson took. I mean, you're talking, like I said, 75% completion percentage. But 27 completions in this game for 301 yards and two passing touchdowns. Garrett Wilson is without a doubt one of the best wide receivers in the entire NFL. Nine receptions in this game on 14 targets for 108 yards, and he was part of the offensive game plan the entire way, from the very first play of the game to the very end when the Jets were scoring points and it felt important still. He was sliding on the ground to make catches, jumping over the middle, yards after catch, toe-tapping, everything he can do all over the field, every single style of play that you're looking for, he can do it at a very, very high level. We're so lucky to have him. He is an absolute 
superstar. And uh, he's going to be getting over 1,000 yards this season very, very soon. Hopefully he can get a couple more touchdowns, you know, continue this this nice sophomore year campaign he's had. But very nice to watch him play great football. He was a huge part of this win. We talked about Brees Hall's receiving. That was obviously massive. Tyler Conklin has really been the Jets' best second receiving option this season. He finishes this game with four catches for 57 yards, and he gets some nice downfield, down-the-seam catches. And then when he gets the ball shorter and, like, little checkdowns or dump-offs, he always puts a shoulder into the defender. I just love to see the way that guy plays to go up and get the ball or put his shoulder down. He is an awesome tight end. Glad he's on our team. Talking about good tight ends, Jeremy Rucker is doing stuff that we've never seen from C.J. Uzoma. C.J. Uzoma injured right now. Jeremy Rucker is getting additional opportunities, and he's making some really nice catches. Zach placed this beautiful ball, little touch pass right in, into him after a pump fake. That was a really, really nice pickup. Jeremy Rucker also had this play where he was falling on his back, and the ball was, like, bouncing over his body, and he somehow snagged it and caught it. Really great to see. He looks like a guy who, right now, he's only in his sophomore year. He looks like a guy that's going to be a part of this offense for years to come. I don't know if he's going to be, you know, some dynamic tight end getting 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns. But I think compared to the usual, you know, five-touchdown, 500-yard tight end that you see around the league, I think Jeremy Ruckert is built for something like that. It's nice to have him here this young, a Jets fan growing up, growing and getting better every single week. Randall Cobb had a touchdown this week. They say that uh, that ball was designed to go to Garrett Wilson on that little crossing pattern, but Garrett Wilson needed to take a break. Randall Cobb comes in, runs that same route, gets the touchdown, Again, that's just perfect scheming, right? It could have been Garrett Wilson, could have been Randall Cobb. Those are two totally different players. You're talking about one of the best receivers in the league with one of, like, the oldest and slowest in the league. But it works either way because Zach Wilson knows where to go with the football, and the play was designed to get a guy like Randall Cobb wide open there. So an easy touchdown. Nice to see uh, Cobb finally getting some positivity with this team. The receiving numbers across the board were super impressive. But all of that credit really does tie back to Zach Wilson's incredible game. Zach Wilson is our offensive player of the game, and has to be. 118 quarterback rating, which is the highest of his entire career. 301 passing yards, no interceptions thrown, 75% completion, and a big-time Jets win, where in the second half, we could do no wrong. It was uh, something that we don't see from him a lot. Super happy we got it. He is our offensive player of the game. Way to go, Zach Wilson. Nice to have you back in the lineup. So I want to talk about defense and special teams and then do a quick Miami Dolphins preview. But before I do, let's take a quick pit stop at the cooler for a little What's On Tap. That is right, folks. This is What's On Tap. And today I have a special edition, as I have what I believe to be a very limited edition beer called BrewCon. This was procured for me by roommate Kyle and his dad, Bruce, one of the coolest guys I've ever met. They go down to a special event where Kinsman and some of the students from UConn are brewing together some different experimental beers, and they're trying some stuff. This BrewCon beer, I believe, is what they made maybe for the year as they're kind of like beginning a brew master's program up there at the school. I'm not completely informed on it all, but I know that this was a collaboration between the students and the brewery, Kinsman, and they made a really, really nice double dry hopped IPA here. It's got, I want to call it like a cardboardy flavor. That'll make it sound bad, but it's not bad. It's very, very good. It's kind of like a subtle crispiness to it. Not super sweet, but 7%. And to have a beer like this on the podcast that 
you probably can't even get next year. It may not even be released other than a special kind of event for specific select members. Again, shout out Bruce and Kyle. This is a uh, very nice treat for a podcast on the Jets win. And it all just kind of feels good. Things are coming together finally. We're not drinking Bush Light after a loss. We're drinking Brucon after a win. And life is good. Coming into the holiday season here. Closing in on the end of this Jets season. A little bit of positivity goes a long way. And uh, good beers like this can get you there. So Brucon by Kinsman and the Yukon students. The Double Dry Hopped IPA. That is this week's What's on Tap. Now before I get to the defense, the special teams, and Miami, we got to take a quick commercial break. Alrighty, Jets fans, welcome back to This is the Jet Life. We just talked offense that was really, really awesome in the second half of this Jets game. Let's talk defense, because it was probably even more impressive. The Jets' defense has been so good this year that giving up six points to the Texans almost feels like, yeah, we kind of expected that. That's crazy. We talked about what they did against C.J. Stroud, who, coming into this game, was considered one of the best young talents in the league. And the Jets hold him to 91 passing yards, sacked him four times. It was under 50% completion. He really had no shot in hell to do anything in this game. And that's because of the Jets' defense. The pass rush was dynamic. We had guys all over getting after C.J. Stroud. We had sacks in this game from Quinn and Williams, from Solomon Thomas, Bryce Huff. Will McDonald had a sack in this game. Even the team had a sack when C.J. Stroud went backwards and threw a lateral behind the line of scrimmage pass, went out of bounds. They call that a team sack. Doesn't go to a specific player, so nobody gets the sack, but the team does get a total sack. But across the board, the Jets were making C.J. Stroud extremely, extremely uncomfortable, and it started with that pass rush. It started with those guys getting after the quarterback. Jermaine Johnson was involved in some of those. Quentin Jefferson was involved in a lot. Bryce Huff is like all over the place. He played over 50% of the snaps for, I believe, the first time in his career in this game, and he just gets better and better every single week, if that's even possible. The guy is so freaking quick off the edge. Even a tackle who's lined up to guard him when he's outside wide and Bryce Huff is coming off the edge, clearly going against the tackle, when the tackle's main objective is just to block Bryce Huff, sometimes Bryce Huff is so fast he just goes right past that tackle and they don't even have an opportunity to block him. That's crazy to think about. Bryce Huff is becoming a star in the making. He's going to get probably over 10 sacks this year if he gets a few more in these last few games. I expect he will. So just a great season from him. A shout-out to our Man of the Year candidate, Solomon Thomas, as well as Quentin Jefferson, who are both veterans in the league, have been around on other teams before the Jets. But this year, both currently have their career-high sacks for a season. Quentin Jefferson at six, most he's ever had in a year. Solomon Thomas at four, most he's ever had in a year. And there's still more to come. So we're seeing some really good performances from some of these guys that we invested in coming from other teams. That defensive line, really, really good what we saw from them. The linebackers as well. Quincy Williams had a couple really nice plays in this game, seeing him do what he usually does. C.J. Mosley also, he started this game really, really strong. After the first like quarter and a half, I was sitting there saying, I think C.J. Mosley's going to be the defensive player of the game in this one. But ultimately... Once we started watching that defensive backfield play, you had to pick a different star of the game. Those defensive backs were the best I've ever seen them across the board in a game. Sauce Gardner, Michael Carter, and DJ Reed were incredible, tipping the ball away and getting pass deflections. We didn't get any interceptions in this game, but the PDs were mind-blowing. 
You're talking like diving, tipped passes, last-second breakups, hitting the receiver's arms, not getting pass interferences, not getting penalties. These guys played so clean. And I know we had a penalty called against Sauce Gardner for an illegal contact that was absolute BS. I think we all know that one was BS. But holy smokes, all three of those guys are proving week in, week out, that they are the best cornerback trio in the entire league. All three should be in the Pro Bowl. All three should probably be considered for all pro nominations, at least getting votes. And those guys shut it down. And that's a big part of the reason as well that these quarterbacks are embarrassing themselves. DJ Reed is going to be the player of the game in this one because he tackled really well. He didn't have that penalty, of course, and he made some really, really big-time plays. For a guy that's only five foot nine to jump up a foot and a half in the air and tip a ball away and make the breakups that he made, he doesn't get enough credit for the things that he does. In this game, he was on full display. And I just, I just loved what I saw from all three of those cornerbacks. We also got some similar play from the safety, Tony Adams, who came up, did a couple coverage snaps, had a couple pass breakups himself. I mean, this defensive backfield was lights out in this one. We saw a little bit of Ashton Davis. Jordan Whitehead was quiet, but he was out there. When it's all said and done, you give up six points to the Texans. You win the game. It's never really in any doubt. You have fun the whole time doing it. Props to every single player on this team, the coaching staff, the fan base for sticking through and enjoying this one. Took a long time, but we got there. So that is our defense. When you look at the special teams, we had some really good performances there as well. Xavier Gibson had a couple punt returns, nothing to write home about. Greg the leg, three for three, including a 55-yarder, didn't miss any extra points, didn't miss any field goal attempts. I mean, he was lights out. I mentioned the Jets got up 21-6, to six, and then they had an opportunity to kick a field goal, go up 24, another field goal 27, another field goal 30. Just really at that point, as the Texans were incapable of converting anything in their own territory, going for it on fourth downs, the Jets were getting free points, and I'll take them. Of course, I'll take them, but, you know, it wasn't like super meaningful kicks. We're going to give the special teams player of the game to Thomas Morstead, who had a really, really nice punting game himself. Three kicks inside the 20-yard line. A couple of those were inside the 10-yard line. He had the ability to get another one basically to the one-yard line. He kicked it into the end zone by about a foot and a half extra. It bounced straight up. The Jets had an opportunity to get... Another safety, their fourth of the year in this game. They didn't come away with it, but this game started out as a punting duel. And the second half of the first half, so the second quarter, Thomas Morstead was absolutely dominating Cameron Johnson and the Texans. And he was pushing the Texans back time after time again, starting from their own five. And it was what kept the Texans at bay as the Jets couldn't do much on offense there. Because of that punting game, that field position battle, it felt like the Jets were doing good things, and I think they went into the locker room with a little bit more positivity, and a little bit of hope and stuff. Thomas Morstead has just been so good this year, and I'm so glad that we have him as our punter. He is our special teams player of the game. So aside from that, just a quick look at kind of some of the playoff stuff. The, the division is obviously not something the Jets are really in position to get right now. If they beat the Dolphins, maybe things get a little bit more interesting, but the Dolphins are at nine wins even after their loss last night. The Bills are at seven wins after their win against the Chiefs. And I want to give a quick shout-out to the Patriots, who, despite winning just their third game of the entire season, were the very first team in the AFC to be officially eliminated from playoff contention. They're the only team right now that is not vying for any sort of hopes or playoffs. Their season is done, and it was a real nightmare of a season for them. Great to see. They are the worst team in the AFC, arguably the second-worst team in the entire NFL, and not much positivity 
on the horizon for them either. So that feels pretty good going in. But the division, obviously, the Jets at 5-8, and eight, not really competing for that. When you look at the, the playoff picture, there are so many teams in the AFC with seven wins right now. Two of them would make the playoffs. You're looking at the Steelers, the Colts, the Texans, the Broncos, the Bengals, the Bills. Those teams all have seven wins. Nobody has six. A couple teams with five. The Chargers, the Raiders, the Jets, the Titans. That's basically everybody in the entire conference, again, except for the New England Patriots. So when you look at those 15 teams, the Jets are third to last. At five and eight, they are only two games back from a playoff position. So it is still definitely possible. We beat the Dolphins this week. We'll talk about it again because the Jets will be a little bit higher in that pecking order. And we'll have an opportunity to do some special things maybe down the stretch. We'll see what happens with Aaron Rodgers. But the Jets have some winnable games. Commanders, Patriots. It's going to be opportunities for the Jets to uh, win some more games. But this Dolphins one is obviously the one that they have to pull out. So the playoffs... Not really a thing that we are too, too focused on right now. But let's keep winning games because it's not time to start tanking yet. The Jets, after everything finished this past week, would be drafting 7th overall, I believe. Which is still really, really good considering the Jets season isn't like a total disaster. They're 5-8. and eight. They're not too far out of the playoffs, right? They're two games out from the 6th spot in the playoffs going into week 14 or 15. So it's not a complete disaster of a season on paper at least in terms of like the standings but they would be drafting seventh overall which would definitely dra- get them a really really good player in next year's draft we'll see what happens there it all comes down to these last four games we'll continue to monitor it as the year goes on so then just looking at that Miami Dolphins game this is going to be played at one o'clock in Miami at Hard Rock Stadium looks like a Kleenex box the Jets They lost pretty badly to the Dolphins on Black Friday, but that was a game where Tim Boyle played, and the vibe around the team was just completely off. The Dolphins didn't have any sort of exceptional offensive play in that one, but they had a couple nice Raheem Mostert runs, a couple nice passes to Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill, and they ended up winning the game soundly. The Jets are going to look to bounce back in this one against the Dolphins team that just kind of got their heart broken last night against the Tennessee Titans. The Dolphins were up 13 or 27 to 13 with four minutes to go in the game. After a couple really boneheaded plays by the Titans, the Titans go down the field. They got a touchdown, kick the ball back to the Dolphins, get a stop. They had a two-point conversion on the touchdown before. They get one more touchdown, stop the Dolphins again, close the game out with a sack. And the Dolphins are bummed out about it. They're going to be looking to rebound against the Jets. They did have a couple guys banged up in that game, a couple offensive linemen, Safety to Sean Elliott. And then Tyree Kill left the game in the first quarter, came back out in the third quarter, again came onto the field in the fourth quarter. I think he's listed as day-to-day right now. I expect that he will play against the Jets, but that remains to be seen as the week goes on if there's any sort of lingering stuff. So let's take a look at that Miami Dolphins injury update as the week goes on because I think there's going to be some interesting nuggets in there. I think the Jets overall are getting healthier this week. The Dolphins may be getting a little bit less healthy this week. So I think the game opened up at like minus 12 for the spread. After the Jets play, the Texans did such a good job. and Everybody's getting fired up, and Tyreek Hill got a little banged up. and The Dolphins lost a little bit of their luster, losing to the Titans. It's actually down to 8.5 points right now. I expect that might drop even a little bit more, maybe down to like 7.5 points, which, all things considered, the Jets being a bad offense, the Dolphins being a great offense, them beating us earlier this year, us playing in their stadium, it's not so bad. This is a game that I don't expect the Jets to win, but I do think 
that the way we play, we can be competitive. I do think that if we can just put a little bit of pressure on them, the way the Titans did last night, getting a little bit of offensive production, if we can get after the quarterback, hit Tua, hit the running backs, hit the receivers, hit him in the mouth, right? Be aggressive against this team. It was the same game plan I had for the Jets on Black Friday. It's just be physical, make them feel you. The Titans did that pretty well last night. And then do enough to score some points, make it tough on them. Tua Tunga by is one of those guys that, like, he can get the ball to the guys within the scheme, right? He can make it an accurate pass. He can hit the open receiver, and he can chuck it up deep downhill, downfield to Tyreek Hill. But, like, he's not really a massive value add in terms of, like, doing incredible things. He's not a super talented quarterback. He has a ton of, like, blemishes in his ability, and I think you can get after him. I think you can make him uncomfortable. He's not super great at moving in the pocket. He hasn't been sacked a ton this year, but that's starting to go up as their offensive line gets a little bit more injured, and he's getting a little bit more nervous, getting hit more frequently. I think the Jets are going to have a little bit of good pressure on him. And I expect we can make that offense uncomfortable. If the Jets can somehow pull this win out, go to 6-8, and eight, be looking at the Commanders after a Dolphins win and that big Texans win, feeling really good, it's going to be a totally different landscape than if the Jets lose, are eliminated from playoff contention, get smoked by the Dolphins in their stadium, and, you know, the rest is history. It feels like we've seen that one before. This is a pretty big week for the Jets. I think it's one more week to kind of go into it with a lot of optimism and excitement. Not all games are meaningful. This one still is. It's also sushi week, so if you like eating dolphin, grab yourself a nice plate of sushi. Enjoy some of that. I'll be doing that with my dad and hopefully maybe wife Shannon, roommate Kyle. We'll see what's on the docket this week coming up, but this is one of those games that, yeah, we could be heartbroken, but if we find a way to win it, it's going to be as good as any. It's uh, it's all kind of coming to a close here. It's crazy that there's only four games left. We're this far into the season right now. It feels like it just started. We're staring at the doorstep of another offseason, looking at the draft, looking at free agency, and I love all that stuff. Right, I live for like all those contract signings and the reports and the draft stuff and watching the combine and all that. But at the end of the day, like all I want to do is just watch Jets football and watch some wins. Forget the record. Forget whether or not they're going to be drafting third, fourth, fifth, or sixth. We've drafted in so many different positions. How much has it helped us over the years? Let's just have some fun. That's what this whole thing is about. We go into the season. We go into the weeks hoping to watch good, fun football. The Jets are still able to provide some of that. We just got to see it. If this game against the Texans is any indication of what's to come, we're going to see a lot more inspired Jets play down the stretch here. But one week at a time, we'll see what we can do against the Dolphins. That's all I got for you guys on this one. We'll be back next week talking about whatever happened. Thanks for joining me. I'm Dan Burnham, and this is The Jet Life. <laughs>